And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, December 29th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 306 and 307. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree. That will take you to the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. What's up, everybody? We've got two big episodes of the show today, our New Year's edition of Steak for Breakfast. I'm Ron Noah's here. Happy New Year. We've got a, a lot of developing news right now. Donald Trump scored a ballot victory in Colorado before getting knocked off another one in Maine. We'll analyze. The border continues to spiral out of control. We'll bring you the latest. We'll do a little 2024 GOP primary roundup. And even though it was kind of a quiet week on the campaign trail for Donald Trump, he surely had a big one. We've got a great slate of guests coming in today. Florida Congressman Corey Mills will be joining us. The D.C. Young Republicans Club. Kingsley Wilson will be here. We'll have a stake exclusive in our second episode of the show with none other than Mr. George Santos and one of MAGA's mightiest warriors, Vish Burr, will be here as well. But before we get into any of our interviews, let's jump right into these headlines and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Stake. For breakfast! So stand by! And, and what they're trying to do right now, especially with respect to the presidential race, they'll say two things. First of all, they think it's absurd what the Democrats are trying to do in blue states in banning President Trump from the ballot. I mean, this is clearly election interference. And then the second thing that the average person on the street will say about the Democrats in, in this presidential race is they've got a problem with their candidate, Joe Biden. Uh, poll after poll shows that the Americans believe his policies are bad and that even worse for Joe Biden, he's a crook. So uh, I, I think that the Democrats are trying to do everything they can in a last-ditch effort to disrupt uh, the Republican momentum right now heading into the presidential election. I think this is another example of that. And uh, I hate to say it, Jason, but I, I fear we're going to see more blue states pull stunts like this. Yeah, the projection from the Democrats was that this is the kind of stunt that Donald Trump would pull. But no, it's actually the Democrats that are pulling this. I want to actually read what the Demo- what the main secretary of state said about this process, because, um, you know, she regarded Trump that he had committed so-called insurrection. This is a quote. Trump's objections hinge largely on the rules of evidence that do not govern this proceeding. The fact that a report includes hearsay, contains irrelevant facts, or lacks foundation does not automatically render it inadmissible. Rather, the central question is whether it is the type of evidence on which reasonable persons are accustomed to rely in serious affairs. I rule... The January 6th report meets this standard. All right, jumping into the news portion of our show today on these last two editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast for 2023. I'm Ron Noah, still here. hey We've got a couple great guests coming in today as well. Congressman Corey Mills will be joining us. We'll be sitting down with Kingsley Wilson, formerly of the Cortezes. George Santos will be joining us. Nice. And so will Vish Burra. So buckle up and uh, let's jump right into it. Noah, we talked about it last night. We're going to talk about it with our listenership today. So Donald Trump picked up a huge victory 
in Colorado earlier this week, mm-hmm. basically saying that he was going to be made available on the primary ballot after being removed by the state Supreme Court there by a vote of four to three. After the, I guess, voting parties charge that they are going to stay it in lieu of the Supreme Court decision on January 3rd regarding this matter. However, yesterday we saw the main Secretary of State. She's an absolute peach. We're going to hear from her in a second. Shanna Bellows. Uh, If you search her online, you'll see you can't find a picture of her without being beside Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And if you saw her without Barack Obama or Joe Biden, you'd probably know who she voted for. Yeah, because if you find a case of that, that's probably when she was serving as an executive director at the main office of the ACLU, one of the biggest censorship operations in the history of the galaxy. And just in case anybody's confused, we don't mean like the main office of the ACLU, like the actual state main. Correct. Where she is, the appointed secretary of state. Again, she did not win any kind of an election. So what do you think about this? I mean, here's the thing, Noah. Don't they know the results are going to be exactly the same? I agree, and, and I do feel like any of these rulings are going to go in Donald Trump's favor at the Supreme Court level, the, the U.S. Supreme Court level. But here's the thing. You've got a lot of people who are going to be voting in the general election next November who are passive or not really fans of politics, but they do take their constitutional duty of the ability to vote seriously, and they go out and vote. We're not talking about the vote blue no matter who. It's it's more of the MAGA curious, maybe Democrat walkaways. MAGA curious. Moderate Republicans and independents who are now going to see that Donald Trump is maybe in their eyes removed from two different ballots and have to get all this news thrown in their face about it. Well, and everybody's purporting that he has been removed from these ballots, which is not the case, right? And yet. And the basis for the removal was that he was a convicted insurrectionist. Wait, hold on. Did I miss when he got convicted for insurrection? insurrection only in Liz Cheney's eyes oh Cheney but that's the thing you you take that toothpaste out of the tube it's almost impossible well we all know it is virtually impossible to put back in and and I think the Democrats have actually made some sort of tool for that by now Mm, this is literally election (laughs) interference well it's been election interference well what's what's new it's literally like they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks. I like that. I had spaghetti for dinner last night. Oh, I'd fuck up some spaghetti right now. I'm hungry. Mm, my kids were too. That's why there was no leftovers. Shit. <laughs> but here's the thing. What you're doing is you're disenfranchising Donald Trump's ability to be a legitimate candidate in the sense that once the Supreme Court rules, the ability to try and remove him from these ballots stops and then ramps up the rhetoric on the Supreme Court is corrupt and this is why we need to pack it. And how radical people like Justice Alito and Justice Thomas are. So it's, it's you know, a circular game of never being able to win here, even though Donald Trump has pretty much to this point seemed to avoid taking any direct damage. This is definitely dinging aspects of his, in, of his campaign that, you know, ideologically is just going to be hard to overcome for people that just don't understand politics the way we do here on Steak for Breakfast. So... The, what is the actual point? Obviously, the, 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 the point that they're trying to get is that he's actually going to be removed from the ballot. Yeah, and when he's put back on the ballot by the Supreme Court, everyone's going to say the Supreme Court is illegitimate. It's filled with radical conservatives, and this is why the Supreme Court, 
they'll start saying like they did the same thing with taking a woman's ability to have oh, an yeah, abortion yeah. away the same way they are by keeping an insurrectionist on the ballot like the the, the framers and the founders and the post civil war legislators tried to put stop gaps in place and the supreme court just runs it over it's ridiculous they're going to kill that poor woman yeah no but I, what i was saying was so obviously i mean the chances of this actually panning out and trump being removed from a ballot Next to zero. Next to zero. Slim to none. So is the plan B of it like, okay, so first of all, we're going to send this out. It's going to go into the media. Everybody's going to get into a fervor. All the normies are going to send all their friends the articles. Like I got one of my normie friends that sent me the article, and I'm like, yeah, that's bullshit. But what what is the actual plan B for this? Like they, they know it's most likely not going to happen. Is it to delay things long enough where he just simply doesn't get printed on the ballots is that like is that like one of the things i i don't understand like what besides just the media outrage and media bullshit that that this is is putting out onto the planet i, I don't get it I, I just think they're trying to take away potential voters who aren't maga yeah but by miseducating them and then that's essentially what we're getting here the main gop the state of Maine GOP put out a statement shortly after this ruling yesterday and before Secretary of State Sheena Bellows took to the media, which we'll get to in a sec, here's what they had to say. We will be taking this to court and we'll fight it all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. We as the GOP in the state of Maine reserve our right as a private organization to use another system if that's what it takes to keep a Democrat hack Secretary of State from infringing on the rights of Maine voters. So some pretty strongly word lettering there. Let's take it over to MSDNC where... Mm. Sheena Bell has decided to jump on with right after she got off of CNN to talk about the ruling that she unilaterally made in Maine yesterday. Let's check it out. Very detailed decision. Uh, we lay out uh, why under Maine law, the Secretary of State has the authority, indeed the obligation. I'm duty bound to make this determination. Uh, we also, I rather, um, laid out that the record demonstrates that, in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And finally, uh, in reviewing the facts presented, the evidence, uh, the law, the history, um, we determined uh, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that Mr. Trump engaged in insurrection. And therefore, Mr. Trump? Now, well, that's one I, of their favorite I, things I to say. I have to say... Not only is this an incredibly important decision, but it's a very brave decision. <laughs> Stunning. Uh, the Trump campaign has, has already come out attacking you. Uh, they have said that you are a, a virulent leftist and a hyper-partisan Biden-supporting Democrat. Sounds about right. First and foremost, it's important Guilty. to know my oath to the Constitution, my Shut obligations the to the Constitution and rule of law come before any other consideration. Yeah, that's no nice. No other factors could weigh on that decision and did not. God. That's fucking bullshit. They always pull that out. The the Constitution. The Constitution is only something that you're going to whip out of your fucking back pocket when it's convenient for you. When you, well, I have no choice. I have to uphold the Constitution. Meanwhile, they have no problem with just stripping people their constitutional rights, locking people in cages without fucking proper due process. Uh, it's ridiculous. No, These it's fucking people, I don't know how any of them can look in the mirror and just not see their lizardness well that's the thing i'd say i i hypothesize that a lot of these people don't have any mirrors in their houses yeah that's probably good shanna bellows is also very active on x here's a post from her earlier in the year back in march Ugh. 
It shouldn't be up to the governor of Virginia or any one person whether or not you have the right to vote. We are proud that in Maine, every citizen has the right to vote regardless of current or former incarceration. Wait, what? Yeah. I thought you weren't allowed to vote if you're a felon. Here's the, well, that's after Glenn Youngkin uh, removed the rights of people who were felons to vote. and I thought that was everywhere. It's not. Really? States rights, buddy. I mean, I don't really care. Like, if you're a felon and you, you served your time, like, you should, probably should get that particular constitutional right back. But I thought it was just like a normal thing that they just weren't allowed to. Well, that was her post from March of this year. No, let me guess. She uh, let's hear what was she in, defiant L's herself. Let, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's hear what was in the actual thirty-six page statement that she put out yesterday in regarding the ruling. I conclude that Mr. Trump's primary petition is invalid, Mr. Specifically, I find that the declaration on his candidate consent form is false because he is not qualified to hold the office of the president under section three of the 14th amendment. (laughs) It gets even better. Noah. they even went to basement dweller politics. The 22nd amendment, the hot pocket delegation, the 22nd amendment was cited. Are you ready for this one? 22nd amendment. Mm -hmm. How many times can you, can you be the president of the United States? How many terms? Two. The 22nd Amendment provides that no person shall be elected to the office of the president more than twice. This is, again, from her ruling yesterday. And and she cites the U.S. Constitutional Amendment 22, Section 1. Wait, is that going to be their backup, backup, backup plan? Hang on. Is that they actually won and he can't be president? Let me read it. (laughs) Attorney Gordon claims that given Mr. Trump won the 2016 election and has repeatedly claimed to have won the 2020 election, he is therefore disqualified from the 2024 primary race. (laughs) It's bad. Like, how? (laughs) That's amazing. They went rigged and stolen. Can't beat it. All right, you know what? Fine. He actually won. He can't be president anyway. Oh, boy. Well... Yeah, it's 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 that's amazing. Quantum retardery. Yeah, that actually is quantum retardery. How do you put that out? Seriously. I mean, it's an absolute joke. Like who writes that and goes, "Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say this on the news or I'm going to put this in a press release." Just because he claimed he won? So oh wait, I guess it's like identifying as something and then you're not allowed to argue with him, so he identifies as the president. Can't argue with him. Sorry, he can't can't be president again. And we're going to clarify it for everybody right here and now. So just so there's no mis, dis, and malinformation promoted here on Steak for Breakfast, what you're hearing in the mainstream media, here's the there there. Similar to the Colorado ruling, which Trump saw was essentially overturned this week, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump isn't actually off the ballot in Maine. As the Secretary of State stated, she will, air quoting now, suspend the effect of her decision until the Supreme Court rules in any appeal. They reconvene on January 3rd, so this stay is through January 4th of this year. They're hoping for a ruling on day one. So the Supreme Court rules on this, right? They, then then it sets the precedent for everybody. For everywhere else, and no, everybody else can just go fuck themselves and stop doing this nonsense. Yep. And then from the actual ruling that she put out yesterday, the 36-page report, Given the compressed time frame, the novel constitutional questions involved, the importance of this case and impending ballot preparation deadlines, I will suspend the effect of my decision until the Superior Court of the United States rules on any appeal or the time to appeal under Section 21A of the Constitution. So, you know, that's the thing. 
We're going to get a ruling from the Supreme Court. However, there are a lot of people right now who aren't really educated in politics thinking that Donald Trump's not on the ballot in two different states. He did win one out of two electoral votes. You know, Maine's one of those weird states like Nebraska where the electoral votes are, are split. I mean, if people show up and he's still on the ballot, it's not like they're not going to vote for him because they thought he wasn't going to be on the ballot. But what about just the people who are like, oh, man. He's I'm not just gonna... not going to go yeah, because that, of that. That bad Supreme Court put him back on the ballot even though this my, my Secretary of State says he was an insurrectionist. And, and a lot of her, you know, examples that she cited in this 36-page uh, you know, release note, and I went and looked through all the pages. I, I read a lot of the commentary from some of the best on X throughout the night yesterday as this was a developing story. She cited YouTube videos. She cited the YouTube videos now debunked January 6th committee and, and things of that nature, but she couldn't specify one actual legal avenue that was taken to convict Donald Trump of seditious conspiracy or insurrection against the United States. Hmm. Yeah, that's where we're at. We're going to see who was quick to weigh in as well. Meatball Ron DeSantis is one of the first ones to jump on the news. From the free state of Florida. Oh, God. You know, and, and, and he's made it all about him as the DeSantis campaign is now 17 days away. From Where does he live? Iowa? Idaho? Iowa right now. Ah, the free state of Iowa. Well, he did wish Iowa a happy birthday yesterday. I guess he forgot about Florida's. Oh, wow. But but that whole campaign has made it about themselves and, and kind of a pity party as they're getting ready for a rebrand and an exit from politics. Let's hear. It's not fair. The Iowa, Florida governor. A Pandora's box. I don't think that this ultimately will be legally sustained uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court. But I do think that this is going to be a constant throughout the election year where there's going to be different parts of these legal cases uh, that are going to be front and center. Uh, I think that we win. Uh, when we hold Biden accountable and talk about the issues that matter to the American people. So I think the Democrats, they want the election to be about uh, all these other issues. They do not want to face accountability for their failed policies. So Ron DeSantis thinks that what they're doing to Donald Trump isn't an important issue to Americans who are voting in next year's election. Holding the Biden administration accountable is more important than unconstitutionally removing the clear front runner in both the primary and as of right now, the general election from the ballot, therefore making him ineligible to run for office, which at this point, it looks like he's going to win next year. Well, why would you want to argue against the one thing that could even give you a sliver of a chance of smelling the White House? Ron's starting to pack on the pounds again. Well, you know, he's got to up that dosage. There was an official statement from the Trump campaign. I'm going to read it right now. This is coming from Stephen Chong, one of the official spokespeople for Trump 2024. The main secretary of state is a former ACLU attorney, a vehement leftist and hyperpartisan Biden supporting Democrat who has decided to interfere in the presidential election on behalf of crooked Joe Biden. We are witnessing in real time the attempted theft of an election and disenfranchisement of the American voter. Democrats in blue states are recklessly and unconstitutionally suspending the civil rights of American voters by attempting to similarly remove President Trump from the ballot. Make no mistake, these partisan election interference efforts are a hostile assault on American democracy. Biden and the Democrats do not trust the American voter in a free and fair election and are now relying on the force of the government institutions to protect their grip on power. State courts in Michigan and Minnesota have already rejected these bad faith bogus... 14th Amendment ballot challenges, as have federal courts in New Hampshire, Arizona, Florida, Rhode Island, West Virginia, and along with other federal jurisdictions. We know both the Constitution and the American people are on the side of 
winning in this fight. President Trump's dominating campaign has a commanding lead in the polls that has dramatically expanded as crooked Joe Biden's presidency continues to fail. We will quickly file a legal objection in the state court to prevent this atrocious decision in Maine from taking effect, and President Trump will never stop fighting to, you guessed it, make America great again. Mm. Again, that's from Stephen Chong, official Trump campaign spokesman that was put out last night shortly after the ruling broke in the press. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, hope you're having a fantastic holiday season. Remember, now you're getting four all-new editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast every week, so make sure you're subscribed or following us on every podcasting platform available. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Hit the plus button, hit the follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. In addition, across social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and then hit the notification bell. I want to remind everybody we have Florida Representative Congressman Corey Mills joining us in just a bit. Tulsi Gabbard jumped on Fox News last night to provide a little commentary on how she saw this thing shaking out and what the Democrats play is. Let's check it out. Great to see you. First, your reaction to this move by the Secretary of State in Maine. They want Trump off the ballot. I think it's really important, Pete, for every single American who's seeing this news alert popping up to recognize how dangerous this is. You have a Secretary of State who is a known partisan, who is known to be against Trump. She supported the impeachment of Trump, single-handedly making this decision to say the former president cannot be on the ballot, taking away our right as voters in this country to decide who we want to serve as our next president and commander in chief. You take away the party labels, you take away the names of Trump versus Biden, recognize how dangerous this is, where if this is allowed to stand, one person, one person gets to take away the voices and the rights of every single American to engage in our democratic process. That is literally what is at stake here. So whether people like Trump or don't like Trump or like Biden, don't like Biden, that's not the point here. If you're a Democrat or Republican, now is the time that we as Americans must stand up for our democratic process in this country and our right and our voices to decide our future. Good point there by the former senator. And here's the deal. We put it out there a couple weeks ago when all this bullshit started. We remain in our opinion, that doing tit-for-tat with Joe Biden in predominantly red states is just as low IQ and unconstitutional as what they're trying to do with Donald Trump in places like Colorado and Maine. Removing him from the ballot without due process, regardless of how you feel about him or whether his you know nicknames like Crooked Joe Biden and stuff like that actually have meaning or substance to him, doesn't do anything except harm the constitutional process that they're trying to weaponize against Donald Trump. I do see a lot of people out there, you know, state representatives, people in, in Congress, senators, governors talking about, oh, it would, maybe we'll just remove him from my ballot. Talking about Joe Biden here. It doesn't really help the situation. And again, I feel like it would be ruled on in the same context at the Supreme Court level as it's going to be with Donald Trump. Donald Trump was removed from the ballot in Maine because the secretary of state there, an unelected bureaucrat who's Biden and Obama aligned, said he was an insurrectionist. Supreme Court says he was never convicted of that. So... Therefore, we're ruling that that is false and put him back on the ballot. Mm -hmm. It'll be the same thing with Joe Biden. Well, his, he's crooked Joe Biden, the Joe Biden crime family. Haven't you heard Jimmy Comer and Jim Jordan talk about it on Fox News? Well, yeah, that's fine. But have you guys convicted him of anything yet? Has he been impeached for being crooked Joe Biden? Well, not yet, but we're deep in the throngs of an investigation here. Everybody knows it. Well, that's fine. If he's not convicted of any crime, put him back on the ballot. That's just the way it is. 
And I think constitutionally, if we want to preserve what very few fibers are left Oof, yeah. of our republic. It's getting bad. We, we need to stay within the guardrails here. Got one more clip before we jump in with Congressman Mills. I saw Vivek Ramaswamy jumped on the news last night to also give some commentary on this. You know, after the ruling came down in Colorado, he was within minutes jumping in the news cycle and, and saying that he would remove himself personally from the ballot in Colorado if they didn't add Donald Trump back. He trumpeted, pun intended, more of the same narrative last night when he jumped on with Kayleigh McEnany. Let's hear it. Vivek, the secretaries of states in 2020, secretaries of states, one individual would come in and wipe away the laws of the legislature and say, because of COVID, I'm changing mail-in balloting. One person changing election rules. That was 2020. 2024, one person saying, I am disenfranchising Trump voters. Your thoughts? Well, look, Kaylee, I think you phrased it well, but I would say that this is not an action of one person. This is the action of an entire system that has an anaphylactic reaction to one man. And I think they're dropping the breadcrumbs. They're making it clearer by the day. I'm concerned that they will not allow this man to get anywhere near the start line of the election, let alone the finish line. And I say this as somebody who's running in the same race as Donald Trump. This is not how we should want to win. So I stand by the pledge I made earlier on the back of the Colorado decision, and I reiterate it today, that I will voluntarily, as a Republican candidate, remove myself from any GOP primary ballot where one of my competitors, Donald Trump included, is forcibly removed through this unconstitutional maneuver. And I think one thing that the other Republican candidates can do, Kaylee, is to fight against this, to say that Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie do the same thing, that if Maine is going to do this, we then take Maine out of the GOP primary process. That's the logical way to handle this. And so I made that announcement tonight. I challenge every one of my other competitors in the GOP primary to do the same thing, to say that we will not stand by idly and watch this brazen form of election interference in the GOP primary itself. And I think that that's not a left wing or a right wing issue. It shouldn't be. This is about the Constitution and who we are as Americans. And that's why I've taken the position I have. Again, Vivek says the right things, but it doesn't really mean much for his candidacy, which I'm not going to call it illegitimate, but it's just unimpactful in regards to anything regarding Donald Trump, who's essentially going to start walking away with this nomination in just 17 days now. So what do you think, Noah? I mean, it, it's good to get out there and stand in solidarity with the person who's not only leading the primary, but is obviously the clear and present leader of the party and movement as well. Um, but at the same time, it it doesn't really affect the whole situation to virtue signal along with these people when I think the the big there there is that removing them from the ballot violates the Constitution because they haven't been granted their due process in what they're accusing them of. And, and, and therefore, they should just be talking about the constitutional basis of it, maybe as Vivek alluded to a little bit more than others. Vivek is, has been super strong on being supportive for, for Trump, which I like. Agreed. I can't imagine. I mean, I you, you got to look and see that he knows that him being very positive towards Trump is probably good for his political career. Sure. I can't condemn him for it. But, I mean, the guy's running for president still, so there's got to be that kind of angle, too. We can see solid discussion of Vivek for VP as well, right, as we have here on the show. We should kind of shut that down. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed still. I mean, he's he's a good dude, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, just, I don't think he'll accept it if it if it is offered. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, he doesn't have the resume 
two complete outsiders. I mean, Donald Trump obviously has a term in office to have gotten his feet wet politically, but when you're talking about it, it, adding to the ticket, I, I don't really know with his national poll numbers and, and then in-state numbers where Vivek really brings people into the tent where some others might. And I'm referring to people like Christy Noem, Ben Carson, and, of course, Tucker Carlson and Tulsi Gabbard as wild cards as well. So, But that's kind of the way it shook out last night. I've kind of been going through the news cycle with a fine-tooth comb here this morning on our first Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We've got another all-new edition coming up right after this one. We're obviously going to be getting ready to jump in with Congressman Corey Mills right now. But before we do that, let's check in with one of our partners. It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. All right, joining us first on the show today, this Big Friday edition the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's the f- congressman representing Florida 7. Always good to sit down with Mr. Corey Mills. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, and uh, I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and a safe uh, upcoming New Year. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well, sir. Well, I want to jump right into it since we've got you on the line here. Listen, we saw another ruling yesterday, this time in the state of Maine, regarding Donald Trump getting removed from primary ballots. We all know that a lot of these rulings are stayed until the Supreme Court reconvenes and hopefully gives a ruling after January 3rd, but Corey is someone that, you know, is closely aligned to the president. You're on his Florida delegation of his reelection campaign, and you've promoted all of the America first legislation up in the house of representatives for this session of Congress. You see this stuff developing in real time. The only thing we see it as is election interference. What do you think? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's election interference, complete abuse and weaponization of the court system. You saw where Colorado did something very similar and it was now overturned. The Supreme court will do the same. Um, there's never been any designation to a jury or from a judge who had said that the incident that occurred on uh, January 6th was, in fact, an insurrection. Uh, yeah, I think if we go all the way back, you're looking at where they're trying to say that he should be removed from the ballot, which is truly a distortion of the 14th Amendment, and it's actually a violation of the First Amendment when it comes to political free speech. But I think that the biggest key on this is that it is a lesson interference People need to realize that, you know, if Joe Biden truly got 81 million votes, as they claim in 2020, they would not be as scared and taking all of these unconstitutional and unlawful acts to try and do everything they can to keep President Trump off the ballot. So I think that we have to just go ahead and understand that they're wanting President Trump to uh, continue to spend money. That's what the indictments were about in New York, Georgia, uh, even Jack. Uh, Smith, the special counsel who had filed all these federal grand jury indictments, you know, they're essentially trying to even abuse USC 18, Section 231, which is trying to uh, go in and criminalize political free speech, which we know has been protected under our First Amendment rights and that the SCOTUS will actually uh, rule against. But 
they, they're, they're testing the boundaries right now. And I want people to understand something that President Trump said a long time ago where he said, they're not after me, or they're not after me, they're after you, I'm just in the way. You know, they're continuing to try and see what they can get away with through the abuse in the court systems. They're trying to see whether or not they can truly test our First Amendment political free speech. They're trying to ensure that they can find a way to look at criminality to go after patriots who refuse to continue to be the silent majority. And so um, I, I'm not really too concerned with what we're seeing in these other states. We've already seen a pattern where every time these are filed, these are getting overturned. Uh, not to mention the fact that you've got some tremendous lawyers and legal team around the president, such as Alina Haba, a good friend who's in, incredible. Um, but what this is really about is testing the waters, one, on how far they can go to see whether or not these uh, very corrupt leftist uh, state kind of uh, uh, Supreme Courts, if you will, um, can actually rule against and, and, and criminalize every single American each time that we say that elections are stolen or there's interference or they don't like what we say. They want to be able to try and treat the world in a way that we're the J6, you know, defendants at all times. And those who actually have the resources to defend themselves. Great. If you don't, well, then they're going to try and make a, a, you know, an example out of you. And so, um, that we got a real, a real problem when it comes to our DAs and our AGs and, and kind of our judicial branch. I mean, we really need to start thinking about how active we get, in our kind of America first conservative movement in supporting strong judges who are going to be, you know, believe in the rule of law, believe in due process, understand what our sixth amendment rights are, our fourth amendment rights. Um, you know, these are very important things. And so I encourage everyone, even in each event speech or legislative update, don't ignore those down ballot votes. Don't ignore those city councils, those commissioners, those mayors, those judge races, those, um, you know, state legislators. I mean, these are the people who impact your life in such a meaningful way. And even our school boards that we've seen the list that has abused and tried to weaponize to try and indoctrinate children. So uh, I encourage everyone to take a real strong civic look at our down ballots and start really getting involved in those even more so than prioritizing just federal races. Yeah, we always encourage people, you know, we talk about the House of Representatives and the Senate a lot here on the show. We talk about how important it is for President Trump's legislative agenda to you know, pass easily after next year's election is by getting America first house men and women up there who are going to continue to, you know, promote and pass that legislation in 2025. But at the same time, you want to talk about how some of these, uh, anti-ballot initiatives are going on in States. You're exactly right. You're talking about mayors, councilmen, judges, and all of these positions that essentially can be appointed. And then, you know, you get outside of the race aspect of it. And next thing you know, you have president Trump getting kicked off of ballots like he is right. in some of these States. And, Corey, I know outside of, uh, you know, Congress, you are a constitutionalist here. You've broken this down quite a bit in a lot of different places. I kind of want you to simplify it for our audience here. How does this, you know, Article 3 of the 14th Amendment that they keep proprieting in a lot of the mainstream media and the print press not, doesn't even really apply to President Trump in some of these cases where they're trying to remove him from the ballot? Well, that's exactly right. And, and, and it even says in, in um, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, it talks about the officers, right? Like that these officers can essentially, you know, not be allowed to be on the ballot, but an officer by definition is someone who has been appointed or has been assigned by the president, not the president himself. Um, and it, it, it's just a complete distortion. I mean, again, they're trying to utilize a, uh, an amendment that was put together for a disqualification from holding office that was built around the ideas of, 
you know, the Confederate officers who had tried to, you know, they deemed to have an insurrection and try and overthrow government. And, you know, they're trying to actually pretend as if that is applicable to what we saw on January 6th, which they continue to ignore all of the tweets, all of the video and all the things that the president said when he said, you know, go home peacefully, um, you know, exactly the opposite. And not to mention the fact that if this was an insurrection, it's the first unarmed insurrection in history. So that in itself is, is, is something that's interesting. Um, but it is, it's just a complete distortion. And, I, and, and to put it in perspective that the hypocrisy here, you know, these are the same people who are calling the January 6th incident. And, and we've seen some of the videos. We know exactly what was taking place there. We know that the FBI uh, did have a false flag operation that was going on. We do know that uh, there was other people who was involved from the inside of this. And there was even video of the Capitol Hill police just allowing people to come in and escorting them in. And they were, you know, peaceful. The, the same people who will call January 6th, you know, they, they compare it to a 9-11 or they compare it to like, you know, one of the most horrendous, you know, events in, in history. These are the people that during the, you know, riots that were going on, the BLM and the Antifa riots were claiming that these were mostly peaceful <laughs> gatherings and would literally have buildings burning in the background and people being, you know, murdered and sexual assault that was going on. And, you know, the same, very same people. And again, this is where we have to stop as elected officials of utilizing dangerous rhetoric that just continues to sow in division and is being utilized for political purposes only. We have to actually, this is where I actually respect one of the things that recently was just said, by the way, which is by representative golden. You know, he was one of the ones that voted for the impeachment against the president, uh, president Trump and was very, you know, kind of against him, but he's come out recently even saying that he disagrees with the way that these court systems are being utilized to try and remove a candidate from the ballot. Um, so you're even seeing where people who had voted for the impeachment of the Democrats are seeing where this is a bridge too far. It's only your extreme leftists who are continuing to try and uh, essentially uh, go against our constitutional principles, our, our rule of law, what makes us America. And uh, it's just very interesting to kind of see the spin on things, because if this was the opposite direction, they're saying, oh, well, everything that Joe Biden has done, everything that Secretary Mayorkas has done with their election of duty, the Afghan bots withdrawal under Lloyd Austin, all these things, oh, no, 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 that's not a problem. The guy who said go home and, and you know, peacefully, yeah, we're going to kick him off the ballot and try and abuse and distort the 14th Amendment. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a hypocrisy that, that I've never seen in my lifetime. No, it's wild. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that you were able to break it down for us right there with that explanation. Corey, I want to segue a little bit to, to foreign policy. We know you're kind of a expert in that demographic as well. Here's the thing. You know, we've seen Iran throughout the course of the last almost three years now run proxy war against the U.S. military all over the globe, everywhere from the Gaza Strip to Lebanon, places in, you know, the the Middle East and, and, and such Joe Biden has allowed Iran, which Donald Trump nearly figuratively and literally strangled down to an internal revolution, crushed their international oil sales and, and just the, the world market for them, et cetera, allowing them to, to essentially get back to where they're bringing in almost $100 billion a year in international revenue. They've, you know, Joe Biden keeps on freezing these frozen assets, which are empowering their proxy terrorist organizations all over the world. And, and it just talks about the failed foreign policy that is a continuation of, of what Barack Obama did when he was the president. Now, as Joe Biden continues to do the same, how are we looking at this? I mean, a military response outside of what we're doing right now 
is inching us closer to having to formally get into a conflict with Iran. Heading into an election season, do you think the Biden regime is using this as an excuse to, you know, kind of continue that power grab for Joe Biden heading into the general election cycle? Yeah, no, I think it's actually worse than that. I think it's complete weakness um, by the administration. And, you know, I wanted to explain that, you know, the incidents that we're seeing right now are not singular. And so you have, whether it's Hamas in Israel, whether it is uh, General Hassan Nasrallah, who is the head of Hezbollah in Lebanon, who's launching attacks, uh, who also parallels and, and runs and supports the organization Qatayab Hezbollah, which is the one who launched the majority of attacks against the U.S. in, in Syria and also in Iraq. Uh, you have the Houthis who are actually disrupting commerce through the internationally recommended transit corridor that goes to the Red Sea, which is, again, this all is not just singular events. We must understand that these are all completely aligned and when you think about who is Iran's biggest in, you know, importer of their oil, it's China. Yep. China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea are completely geopolitically aligned to target the West. And China and Russia's goal is to essentially eliminate the U.S. dollar from being the global currency. You've seen this where China has reached out and spent a tremendous amount of money advancing their Belt and Road Initiative which essentially was to take over and expand the Eurasian border, Africa, Oceania, so they could cut off Western Hemisphere supply chain through the Red Sea, Horn of Africa, Black Sea, Persian Gulf, etc., while simultaneously utilizing this marriage of convenience with Russia so that they could ingratiate themselves into the Western Hemisphere with the Chavez of Venezuela, Pedro and Colombia, and now utilizing this economic coercion for Panama and Honduras so they can take over the canal to cut off or increase trade tariff and taxation, essentially making the U.S. a island. And this is something that we had done in a different method or mechanism for Iran, where we were putting them into not just economic sanctions, but diplomatic isolation. So the difference in, in what President Biden is doing to President Trump is that President Trump took direct action, understanding that China was our greatest existential threat and adversary. And he increased tariffs like he did with the China phase one. He was very bold with Chairman Xi whenever he had come to Mar-a-Lago and said, look, here's where we stand. If you don't like it, we'll increase tariffs by 200%. Yeah. We'll stop, you know, all the different things. Um, and, but also he, he started taking the precautions on the southern border, like as you saw with great policy like remain in Mexico or continue to extend out Title 42 or actually forcing Mexico's president. And, and this is a, a correction I want to make for everyone. They keep saying, oh, well, Mexico didn't pay for the wall like Trump said. Well, let me be clear what he did do. He went to Mexico and literally met with the president and said, if you don't stop this hemorrhaging of individuals who are invading our country, we're going to tax and tariff and tra every single piece of trade that comes across the border. And we're going to make this the most expensive thing. He played the business negotiation piece of it. And you know what he did? The president of Mexico sent troops to the border to start turning people away, which is why we had lowered numbers. I mean, you look at what we have now at 200 plus thousand people who are coming across, 13,000 in a single day. Yep. That never happened under President Trump. But that is, and, and, and not to mention the fact that when President Trump wanted to show that he was serious and wanted to hold our adversaries accountable, he launched a counterterrorism operation that successfully eliminated the entire Quds Force commander, Qasem Soleimani. And people talk about this, but what they missed is that he also, in that same strike, eliminated a guy named Abu Mehdi al who is the head of the Iraq militias that are actually attacking us now. 
And so we didn't see a single death or attack in Afghanistan or Iraq during President Trump's time. We saw where our adversaries knew where we stood. We saw where North Korea was not launching missiles into the Japan Sea and trying to basically continue to threaten things. You saw Russia, who was at bay. You saw China, who was getting taxed and tariffs and starting to look at paying their fair share as an actual partner. Back then, they were a competitor. Now we have to recognize them as what they are, which is an adversary. And so these two very different foreign policy geopolitical positions is why we have so much weakness on the world stage today, because they know that Joe Biden will not do anything to hold our adversaries accountable. He's doing nothing to build up the confidence of the U.S. dollar for developing nations, which people have to understand. You know, if you've ever read the, the book, The Creatures from Jekyll Island, which is the formulation of the Federal Reserve, yeah. then you realize that when we switched over from the gold standard to the petrodollar, the petrodollar is great when it's a tangible asset that you yourself are making. But Joe Biden has gone out to eliminate our actual production of energy here at home, essentially making energy security completely non-existent. And now the only thing that's propping up the U.S. dollar is the fact that it's globally utilized. The minute you supplement the petrodollar, the minute that you start breaking down the trust and confidence that the dollar is going to maintain its valuation, which is what China is doing through this propaganda misinformation warfare campaign, then you will start seeing where the cutting off of supply chains, the, the continued attacks to try and bring us into a war that we can't afford, the fact that we don't control the majority of our supplies when it comes to, I mean, we just sold one of our largest steel companies at 14 plus billion dollars. So we can't keep up with the manufacturing and the industrial base that would be required for a large scale war. And this is all intentional as China looks at regaining their strength and taking Taiwan after the violation of their you know, one country, two system framework in Hong Kong that they, that they denied and went against so that they can take over a nation that creates over 90% of the semiconductors that are made across the globe. Again, this is a big mistake that America has made for far too long. We have relied on adversarial nations. We have become dependent upon resources from those who want to destroy us. And we are in a very dire situation. And we can only get back to where we were in our strength when we secure our border, when we start investing in the American industrial base to build up our own capacity capabilities, when we start recognizing our adversaries and looking at economic sanctions and various methods that we can use to strengthen the dollar. One of those would be passing H.R. 1, the Low Cost Energy Act. And all of these things, all of these tariffs, taxation, trade negotiations, uh, the ending of us involving ourselves in this interventionist, neoconservative, world police, George W. Bush era mentality, the way that we get back to being strong is to start putting America first. And that's why we need President Trump in 2025 more than everyone can understand. No, it's the truth, and and you know that's like, that goes on. The last thing I want to touch with you on you you were in and out of it throughout the course of that point you made, and it's border security. That's the, that's the first and last thing House Republicans have on the docket in addition to the budget coming back after the congressional recess right now, Corey. You know, Secretary Blinken and Mayorkas went down to Mexico City this week, and the only thing they seem to talk about is potential amnesty, which we have hypothesized here on the show since Joe Biden took office that that will be the crown jewel of his legislative agenda, getting that done for the radical progressive left. For the 35 million people who are already in the United States illegally and all the temporary protective statuses, the DACAs, etc., in addition to the now probably getting close to 15 million people that have crossed the border since Joe Biden took office. Speaker Johnson put out a very strong statement yesterday 
potentially shutting down even thinking about that. As you guys are getting ready to get up to Capitol Hill in a little over a week now, how strong of a message that you have to send to Joe Biden, number one, to shut down this border in this session of Congress, and number two, there will be no amnesty for the Republican House in this session of Congress as well? Well, I can say right now, I will not support any amnesty of any kind. You violate our laws. You violate our sovereignty. There is no reason that you should be allowed to be here. We need to not just create the new laws that are necessary, but we need to enforce the laws that are on the books. Look, these people are already violating our nation's laws. They should already be prosecuted or charged. What we need to be doing is is ensuring that we have more judges sitting on our border to do an increase in processing to turn these people away we need to allow our CBP and ICE to be able to enforce and do their, do their job. And we also need to start modifying things. I don't think that we should have, and we have to do immigration reform, but I don't think that we should have the rule where if you're born in the United States, that you automatically have citizenship. Correct. There should be a clear, direct path that says that at least one or both of your parents must be U.S. citizens and born here in the United States in order for you to qualify for citizenship. If not, you go through the process just like everyone else does who comes over here from any other nation as an immigrant or as a refugee. And I can tell you the other thing that we need to be getting really focused on is the fact that the Senate's going to try and tender our border security plan to some nonsense foreign aid package. And I'm waiting for, for Schumer and McConnell because both of them are these neocon, neolib, just America last Democrats, and I don't care what initial lies next to McConnell's name, he is as bad as Chuck Schumer is. And so for everyone who keeps reelecting this guy, you're part of the problem. You can call yourself a Republican or conservative, but when you keep electing in weak Republicans who don't hold our conservative values any longer, you're part of this problem. And so go ahead and start pointing the finger at yourself whenever you're looking at the criminality increase, the fentanyl overdoses, the human sex child trafficking that's going on. You're part of that problem. But I will not support, and people can say that I voted against the border. They can say whatever they want. But I will not support any bill or any foreign aid package that tethers itself to our border because I can tell you here and now, I am not telling the American taxpayer that you have to secure another nation's country in order to secure your own. And it's your tax dollars, it's your treasures, it's your vote who puts us in this office. And so I will not support it. The Senate needs to pass H.R. 2, but before they can do that, we need to be enforcing the rules that are on the books right now. And we've got to start understanding that the greatest threat, we have cartels, we have gang members, we have people, we have countries who are dumping their prisoners and their prisoners are actually coming into the U.S. We have people on terrorist watch lists who are continuing to come across. Over 170 plus has already come across that we know of. And we know there's other cells and things like that. So yep. we will see, and I'm not doing this for a fear-mongering thing, but we will see another 9-11 type incident. And if you don't think we will, then you're not sitting here with your eyes wide open. So we need to get control of our border. It is There are more people dying. And, and to put it in perspective, Joe Biden, he has his picture as the employee of the month every month for these cartels. In 2018, these cartels only receiving about $500 million. And I say only understanding that's a tremendous amount of money, sure. but $500 million a year in revenue. You look at 2021 alone, and the last years have been even higher. In 2021, the cartels were seeing a revenue of $13 billion a year, of which 40% was human child sex trafficking, and the rest was in drug trade and other things. So you tell me who is actually the one who should be charged for treason, and this is why. I support, I co-sponsored, and I want us to move forward with the impeachment of 
Secretary Mayorkas for dereliction of duty and treason, and the same thing for Joe Biden. And then I want us to take a hard look at Kamala Harris, our vice president, who is appointed as the border czar, because when you have that title, you're on the hook as well. Every one of them, in my opinion, are creating treason by allowing our borders to be overrun. It's the absolute facts, Corey, and you brought the absolute fire today. Obviously, we're going to be live linking your congressional website in our show description today. But for anyone that wants to follow you, listen, if you're hearing the congressman for the first time, you need to be following him. Where can we find you? Well, you can find me at uh, Twitter at Corey Mills FL or some of my campaign is uh, Rep Mills Press or Mills for Florida. I'll tell you what, this guy has been bringing it all year on Steak for Breakfast. He brought the absolute fire today. This is a congressman representing Florida 7. He's also representing all of America first. Mr. Corey Mills, thanks for joining us on the show. Have a great weekend and a very happy new year. Thank you, brother. Same to you. God bless you. God bless this country. As we enter the last leg of the 2024 election, they want to appear like they're doing something. This is no more than a photo op. And here's how we're going to tell. First of all, this shouldn't be a negotiation. When did we start negotiating with another country for our own border security? That's ridiculous and it's absurd. If this meeting is going to mean anything, what we should be doing from a United States perspective is laying out a series of demands from a position of strength, just like we did under President Trump. And this meeting, what we should have is a national press conference where the government of Mexico says they're immediately going to deploy 20,000 personnel to secure their southern border with Guatemala, increase their interior enforcement. And the United States should take the podium and say, in addition, we're going to reinstate the remainder Mexico program, as well as the safe third country agreement with all three northern triangle countries, of which the, the government of Mexico fully supports. And then we're going to t- t- tip it off by the United States saying we're going to in catch and release. If this is meaningful, that's what we're going to hear. But, Rob, don't hold your breath. And that was former acting CBP commissioner Mark Morgan, who was on Newsmax last night talking about the disaster down on the U.S. southern border. No, you know this is something that we've tracked pretty hardcore from day one. Yeah, and we have outside sources too. You know, like there's uh, the, the old patrol guy on, on Instagram. Sure. He does a lot of the stuff that's uh, the California sector areas, I guess is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Apparently... Local San Diego area, I forget which one, Brownfield maybe. Okay. The migrants are just leaving without being processed because there's so many of them and they just can't be controlled. So I I saw one of the postings from the old patrol guy and apparently, according to his reporting, there's a massive transportation uh engagement going on right now i guess you would call it where they're trying to just you know empty out all that area it's almost like there's a dog and pony show coming and they want to brush it out and clean up everything imagine that you know we we reported on the show yesterday there's been over 9200 flights outside of the ones that you're seeing migrants commingled with regular travel 9200 taxpayer funded flights since the start of the Biden administration to take these illegal migrants from do they have to take off their shoes <laughs> I doubt it. A lot of them don't even go through TSA. They don't have to have an ID. No, they have nothing. And no medical screening whatsoever. Name on the... Do you feel sick? No? Okay, cool. It's pretty weird. They're they're having cases of TB and leprosy come up in border states. Uh, Diseases that we haven't seen here in the United States in almost 100 years. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's so fucked up because, you know, there's a lot of people that don't want to, like, do all the vaccinations for their kids and stuff like that. And really, it was 
a non-issue because we really weren't seeing any of that stuff anymore. But sure. it's like now we're actually going to start seeing this shit that hasn't been around since the fucking dark ages, it feels like. So <laughs> what happens when you bring in the diseases of the third world unabatedly like the Biden administration has done for... Nearly- I mean, if I bring a dog okay. or an animal from overseas or whatever... If it comes through the airport, it has to be quarantined. Right. These people aren't being quarantined. They're just being released, processed as fast as possible and then released. And if they're not getting processed fast enough, then we're going to hire more people to process them faster or or divert people who are supposed to be actually keeping us safe in order to hand out fruit snacks and diapers. Sounds perfect. Not for the president. Diapers. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas oh! jet set from Washington, D.C. this weekend down to Mexico City. Oh, let me guess. Can you help us do this better? <laughs> Streamlined? Yeah! Is not even the word. And, and we were right again. We'll we're get always to, right. We'll get to that in just a sec. Before we get into those two douchebags and their trip down to the Pueblo in Mexico City, I do want to get a little coping and seething from the left. I've got a pre-prepared montage right now. Talk about planes that you wish would have crashed. Like, Can we trade them for some rock band? You want to hear the mayor of New York and Chicago crying at the same time? Check it out. We're seeing uh, the erosion of the quality of life that we've improved on in such a short period of time of this administration. And we have been impacted uh, for, for many uh, months, we were able to keep the visualization of this crisis from hitting our streets, but we have reached a breaking point. We're no longer able to do that mm-hmm. because of the volume and numbers. Just last week, we had 3,900 people that arrived here. We are averaging anywhere from 2,500 to close to 4,000 a week. And if you <laughs> do the math, you see that's 8,000 every two weeks, potentially 16,000 a month that we must feed, clothe, house, educate children, and all the services that you would give a normal adult. And we're seeing that play out on our streets of New York. And that is what the breaking point looks like, what we are experiencing right now. To, to meet this demand, but we have reached a critical point um, in this mission that absent real significant intervention immediately, our local economies are not designed and built to respond to this type of crisis. We are literally building a system as we go along. <laughs> I mean, not to, not to split hairs, but weren't you in the most recent of recent events wanting to be a uh, sanctuary state? Sure were. I mean, you got what you wanted. Congratulations. You know, the best part about it is I, I love our America First congressmen and women come on the show. Obviously, one of our favorite accounts on X is Rep. Mike Collins yeah. from Georgia 10. Here's a news report that broke yesterday. We just heard a little bit of that excerpt. Just in, New York City Mayor Adams issues an emergency executive order to restrict bus arrivals arriving in the city from the migrant surge. This comes on reports of the Hill. Congressman Collins quoted the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I already know this is going to be amazing. This is what you wrote. I am reliably informed that this is racist. No. 
What if Adam steps down and just makes Snake Plissken the governor of New York? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you mean Escape from New York? Yeah. I absolutely love it. No, that's the thing, man. You see these people just melting down. Well, that's what's going to happen. You're going to have these places, like the the no-go zones in Europe. That's what's going to happen here. Like we already have, and I know I talked about this the last show, we already have soft no-go zones in 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 certain states in the country. Sure. But it's going to be like 100% like local warlords. Like you think the chop was bad? Do you think the chaz was bad? Mm. Just imagine when that's like 17 city blocks burning tires like they're in fucking Mogadishu. Yeah, doing street justice. Right? Policing themselves, etc. Listen, giving them free meals and Xboxes and picking up their electric scooters that they steal from the front of the hotels. Oh my gosh, those are amazing. That's not going to last and keep order in that city. I mean, listen, you've got tens of thousands of Palestinian sympathizers. That's another sad part about this whole thing. Whether it's student visas, people that have been transplanted here from all over the globe, and things of that nature. I, I have seen some of these Palestinian, pro-Palestinian free Gaza rallies getting out of control, police getting assaulted. More recently now in places like New York City, the city that brought our nation together in the wake of 9-11 is now giving the city away to the same radical ideology. I can't fucking believe it. It's only been 20-some-odd years. Mm. It's just an absolute disgrace. And it's a pure representation of the Biden administration who... Giuliani's uh, veneers are rolling over in his mouth. It's the truth. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> you know, Joe Biden went out to Delaware for Christmas on the U.S. taxpayer dollar, was there for a few days, hit Marine One back into D.C. Think he got tacos? He was in the White House just long enough to grant another $200-plus million check to the Ukraine war. We're still doing that? And then Jet set off with Dr. Jill, Hunter Biden, and friends down to St. Croix, where he'll be staying through the new year on the U.S. taxpayer dollar. Now, with Hunter. 43% of Joe Joe Biden's presidency has now been spent outside of the White House and on taxpayer-funded vacations. Weren't they mad at Trump for that? When he was, like, going golfing and, you know, staying in Mar-a-Lago? Shinzo Abe comes to town. They go to the golf course to talk about... Trade deals. Saudi Arabia cruises in. That's where he takes trade over, deals are made. He takes them over to the country club. Yeah. And, and everybody's complaining about it. Joe Biden literally has been passed out on a beach for now 43% of his presidency or looking at kids through windows in little villages outside of shops all across the East Coast. But that's fine. But anyway. Yeah. No, it's just absolutely wild what's going on right now. What else is wild is how good the podcast has been doing lately. So, guys, wherever you're listening today, hope you're enjoying it. Hope you had a fantastic Christmas season. Hope you like the double shows. More steak for breakfast for the low, low price of free, as all of our content always will be. We don't ask you to subscribe to anything, merch anything, donate anything, give, send, go anything. Just follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Hit the plus button. Hit the follow button. Make sure it's downloading to your electronic device. It's not so much that it's more. It's just more bite-sized. That's the thing. More, yeah, I like that. We're going to keep it at that. And here's the deal. The more subscribers we get, the more prevalent our face is and your voice is in places like the Apple Top 100 also. Even though we don't have faces. Massages the algorithms. 
brings us up in the suggestions for political podcasts, etc. Helps out the show greatly, bigly, hugely. Huge. We've got social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts. Follow us. Hit the notification bell. I saw Jillian Turner jumped on with Brett Barry yesterday, early election caller, especially in places like Arizona. Like really early. To discuss this disaster that's going on the U.S. southern border, as we're going to take a look right now into the trip that Blinken and Mayorkas was on down to talk to AMLO. Let's check it out. Again, with correspondent Jillian Turner, who is traveling with the U.S. delegation in Mexico City. Good evening, Jillian. Good evening to you, Brett. Secretaries Blinken and Mayorkas came here to Mexico City today with an assignment direct from President Biden. No, they didn't. Get help to stem <laughs> the crushing tide of migrants traveling into the U.S. illegally from Mexico. Now, it's notable that none of the cabinet secretaries in the delegation today are actually traveling to the border to see the crisis firsthand. The delegation was all smiles, however, at the National Palace. State Department officials have yet to disclose exactly what Secretary Blinken's delegation asked of Mexico's president, but an immediate priority for the Biden team is getting Mexico to crack down on cartels that smuggle migrants across the southern border. Good luck with president that. President <laughs> Obrador, though, has made clear many times he views the border crisis as a U.S. problem, saying recently he's willing to try and, quote, help, but only if the U.S. lifts sanctions and sends more aid money to Cuba and Venezuela. We will boost as much as we can to help maintain an orderly flow of migrants. Boost? Recently, there was an abnormal surge of migrants. Border Protection tells us between last Friday and this Monday, they encountered over 35,000 migrants Oof. along the border and it, nearly a quarter million for the month of December so far. We're going to get some emails. Negotiations in Congress <laughs> over border policy room virtually today, part of a prospective package to send aid to Israel and Ukraine. Lawmakers, though, are still far from a deal with many Republicans remaining unimpressed by today's overtures. Blinken's visit to Mexico is all about paying lip service to this issue. We are seeing independents, Republicans and Democrats getting very angry about what they're seeing at the border. And we'll leave it at that. That was South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace. So here's the deal. No, tell me this isn't weird to you. You have the U.S. Secretary of State. And the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security jet set down for a FaceTime meeting with the they, president of Mexico. They could have just done it on FaceTime and saved us some money. Well, here's a, no press conference? None. Well, no, they, no public speaking events? There was a photo op as they all came into the room to sit down at, like, the big table for the meeting? Well, they saved a lot of money on hors d'oeuvres. But everybody likes tacos. Uh, f I would fuck up some tacos right now. <laughs> Let's drive to TJ after the show. Absolutely not. Yeah. I saw that Speaker Johnson who's working behind the scenes throughout this Christmas season to come to some kind of a resolution on border security or close down the Republican House after the CR expires. Put out a statement. Let's hear it. At a time when America is experiencing the worst border crisis in our nation's history, it is unconscionable to hear that the Biden administration's announcement that the Secretary Morgan and Blinken discussed with the President of Mexico, ready Noah? Mm -hmm. Amnesty for illegal immigrants. The United States must focus on policies that deter, not attract the people attempting to come here illegally and the smugglers who profit from the catastrophe at our U.S. southern border. This development further demonstrates the administration has no real intention of solving the humanitarian disaster and immediate national security crisis that their policies have created. 
President Joe Biden needs to stop vacationing and take immediate steps to stop the flow of illegal immigration at the U.S. southern border. Our nation's security and its sovereignty depend on it, and the American people are now demanding it. That is live from uh, Secretary Johnson this morning in regards to this meeting. You want to hear inside the numbers? So amnesty, basically every single person who shows up in perpetuity is going to have no way for us to remove them Mm -hmm. because they haven't committed any illegal act in the perpetration of their quote unquote asylum claim. That's absolute horseshit. Bill Malusian who works for Fox news and was with the delegation yesterday down in Mexico reported this. The delegations also discussed the benefits of regularizing the situation of Hispanic migrants who have been undocumented for several years inside the United States and also the DACA beneficiaries who are part of the U.S. economy and a vital part of American society. That's an end quote that probably came from a statement that was released from Alejandro Mayorkas. So not only for the people that are coming in, but the people who have already been here for what they are saying is decades and all of those DACA recipients who are the children of illegals who are born here or are born on the other side of the border at an age so young and then crossed into the United States, they have protections, much like U.S. citizens do. What do you think about that, Noah? I just don't like any of this. We shouldn't be in the situation that we're in whatsoever. Everything was the best that it could possibly be under the Trump presidency. Safe, secure. Walls popping up everywhere. (laughs) We need it. I have one more statement here. It's from Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He put out a brief one yesterday on his ex account. I'm going to get into character because although at times you could dominate the Fauci and Obama impersonations, no, I think I have a pretty good Alejandro Mayorkas. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a very productive meeting with President Lopez Obrador today and members of his cabinet in Mexico City. Poppy. We exchanged a lot of data. The regional challenge of migration um, requires regional solutions and uh, we appreciate the commitment to continue its efforts alongside us and um, with others, frankly. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. That was from the official account of the Department of Homeland Security. I don't know what you could say about this, but I, I can tell you one thing. From the very start of Sacred Records, and we're going back into single-digit episodes here, we have always said that if Donald Trump is not reelected, that if Joe Biden gets in the White House, regardless of the legislation he will get passed, the crown jewel of it will be the biggest amnesty package in the history of our country. For the now, including getaways, over 13 million illegals that have crossed this border Since January of 2021, you're talking about the 35 million plus who are already here as well. All of the other sects of illegal delegations living in the United States, like people with temporary protective status, DACA recipients, you name it, they are looking for an across the board white flag to say, you let everyone stay and we'll do a little bit to lock it down. I thought it was great to see Speaker Mike Johnson come out and shut this down immediately. However, that better be echoing through all of the Republicans in the House. And it better be a unified stance now moving forward because anyone that's looking to cave, remember, we got these elections coming up next year. There's a couple people that have pointed it out in the last couple election cycles as well. 
there are at least 70 House seats in the U.S. House of Representatives that are major Trump won in 2016 and 20 district, and they are double-digit safe R seats. Why aren't we putting more America First candidates in there? Why are we putting people in there that are voting for the NDAA, that are voting on the Biden budget, that are siding with Wall Street and K Street and the Kevin McCarthyites in Congress? Why are we still doing that? Just imagine if we had 70 rep Gates, 70 rep Mills, 70 rep Crane, 70 rep Collins up there on Capitol Hill. Yeah, let's do that. We wouldn't have to talk about the government getting shut down because America First legislation, not just H.R. 1 and 2, much more would be getting passed swiftly and sent up to the Senate. It would put all of the blame on Chuck Schumer and the Democrats, but we just can't do that. If we could get all these people in positions of power and just have everything run smoothly the way it's supposed to and keep American people safe, secure in their homes, and just dial everything in the way it should be, the country would be vastly different than than what it is today the political landscape aside everybody would be so much better off financially safety wise the whole thing disease wise come on sounds a lot like three years ago but anyway yeah what do we know we're just a couple podcasts hosts here last clip i got before we jump in with kingsley wilson the national border patrol council president brandon judd jumped on fox news yesterday he wanted to slam figuratively of course blinken mayorkas's visit to mexico city let's hear him this is just getting out of control. I mean, I think just in the last month, a lot of Americans who were hoping that something might change are starting to lose hope. And we should. Every single one of us should lose hope with this administration, knowing that they're absolutely not going to do anything that's going to protect United States citizens. When we talk about Blinken and Mayorkas going to Mexico, uh, that's it, it's, it's a complete joke that they're going to be there because nothing's going to come of it. L- uh, Lopez Obrador is going to want to get get concessions from the United States government. Um, Mayorkas and, and Blinken know that they could secure the border tomorrow if they were to do the, the proper policies right here in our country. We can't rely on other countries to protect our citizens. We have to be able to rely upon our own government, and Biden just won't do it. Lopez Obrador knows that Biden is weak. He's going to treat Blinken and Mayorkas like Biden is weak, and he's going to try to get things out of them. Most likely, he's going to try to get money from from our government. And that's the thing, too. Very good point made by the Border Patrol uh, Union chief. Mexico has a lot at stake here. This amnesty that they're starting to float out that I think they're really going to dial into in next year and heading up into the election cycle, just imagine all of the money that goes through Western Union now back to Mexico through essentially illegal routes because you have people that can't have bank accounts, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Sending, if you allow these people to have legal permanent residentship and have a pathway to U.S. citizenship and they could all – get their social security numbers, establish themselves financially in the United States, and then start shipping billions and billions of dollar industry that they'll be creating with an amnesty package here. Again, America last policies. That's what Joe Biden and this regime is all about. Best we could do is continue to educate you guys on that. I want to remind everybody before we jump in with Kingsley Wilson, we've got another all new edition of steak for breakfast coming up just after that. But before we jump in with her, let's hear from one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. 
All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak Breakfast Podcast. She does digital media at the Center for Renewing America. She's also the National Committee Woman for the D.C. Young Republicans. Very excited to be sitting down again with Miss Kingsley Wilson. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be with you. Well, you got to provide us with a couple of updates here. First of all, I introduce you as Kingsley Wilson, which is correct. However, you were Kingsley Cortez last time you joined us on the show. What happened? That is correct. I got married, and, you know, I've been joking. I'm Wilson, not Cortez, so I guess I've lost my minority privilege card. I'm now white, so... Well, well, you know, it's going to be hard for me to get hired anywhere these days, I suppose. <laughs> oh, stop it. And welcome to the team. No, again, we know you got married, but we wanted our listenership to uh, hear it from you. Big congratulations on that, Kingsley. We know it was uh, obviously an awesome event for you, but definitely wanted to hype it up here on the show. And then before we get into any of the issues, we just have to ask. You could be as vague as possible. You've gone through the holidays now. We've, of course, got New Year's in a couple days. But Christmas and, and Thanksgiving, how was the mood in, in the Kingsley Wilson household this year was it make America great again was it just kind of let's watch football and eat turkey tell us <laughs> I think it leaned towards watch football eat turkey <laughs> but there was definitely some vindication for myself and those who have been on the MAGA train the entire time and never deviated from it because we were proved right I mean Trump's going to be the nominee it's obvious DeSantis is dropping like a rock as President Trump would say <laughs> You know, and I look at it this way. Listen, from your dad's perspective, he's got to take it as this. He's he's raised a, a beautifully strong daughter who's, who's strong in her conviction. She's America first. Obviously, Steve did a lot of great things with President Trump in the past. And uh, it's good to just be able to acknowledge the fact that you were right, especially with, uh, you know, even though you, you dabble in youth, you bring a lot of experience to the table in this fight, Kingsley. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, it's only going to get crazier, I think, in the new year as we go up to election season. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot more division and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we just got to get President Trump across the line. A lot of crying NPC memes with the smiley face NPC mask over it going to the ballot box to vote for <laughs> Donald Trump. That's what we all are hoping for in November of next year. All right, speaking of the craziness, let's jump into these issues. Now, we know we're waiting for a ruling probably around January 3rd from the Supreme Court. But again, and for the second time in, in less than a month, Donald Trump has been figuratively removed from the ballot by an appointed Secretary of State, this time in the state of Maine. You watch this kind of go down in, in real time yesterday. We touched on it a bit last night when we talked Kingsley. You know, and, and you work at the center over there. You guys are obviously pushing and, and promoting and getting together a lot of America First policies moving forward. How is this able to happen? You know, especially when, when a lot of these rulings, you read through them. This one was only 36 pages from the Secretary of State of Maine. I read through it. I mean, opinionative statements. Uh, she, she referenced like op-eds, YouTube videos, uh, commentary from the January 6th committee. How are we getting to, to this point right now to where it's just like, if, if nothing else works, let's just go straight to election interference because that's all this is. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I would even go a step further to say, you know, this isn't just interference in the 2024 presidential election. They're stealing it in broad daylight, right? And they're depriving the American people of their most basic right, which is the right to vote. I mean, to deprive a presidential candidate like Donald Trump access to the ballot based on Section 13 of the 14th Amendment is tyrannical. He has not been accused or found guilty of insurrection. In the second impeachment, he was actually acquitted by the Senate for inciting an insurrection. So there is no evidence um, <clears throat> that he should be barred from any ballot. And the evidence that these government gangsters are citing, as you point out, 
is totally opinionated. It's YouTube clips, news reports. It's the January 6th committee. I mean, give me a break. That sham politicized (laughs) made for television show trial is supposed to be evidence. There is no due process given to Donald Trump in the um, committee's investigation. And there was massive corruption. All of the depositions that we saw from that committee, they were clipped, spliced, taken out of context, strung together for CNN primetime. And now we find out they've all been deleted. Um, So this is only the beginning. I think that, you know, every state level Democrat, they're going to be pressured to take similar action against President Trump, or they're going to look to take similar action just to get, you know, their very first MSDNC TV appearance. We're looking at truly a full blown constitutional crisis as we reach 2024 and voting day. And I think the end goal for the left is to force the Supreme Court to intervene, which I believe they should. I think it's obvious that they'll just toss this out. It's, you know, again, blatantly unconstitutional. But when they do intervene, I think we'll see Dems say, you know, that this was a partisan move on the on the court's um, part and that because there are Trump appointed justices on the court that we can't trust the court. They really want to delegitima- delegitimize the Supreme Court because it is the one institution in government that they do not control. That drives them crazy. So I think that's kind of the end goal for the left in doing this, but they're way over their skis here. I mean, this is just blatant anti-democratic governance that we're seeing out of these folks, these partisan folks all over the United States. And you know, something that worries me, Noah and I talked about it in, in some of our news portion of the show today, Kingsley, it's not, you know, these rulings or lack thereof isn't going to affect the base and the MAGA voters. It's not going to affect the vote blue, no matter who voters on the other side of the aisle. But there's a lot of people in the middle right now, I would say close to 20, 25% of the country who are moderates, possible Democrat walkaways, independent voters right now who are watching this aren't really politically educated, maybe just read the drive-by headlines on some of the mainstream media or, or print press websites. And then, you know, they see that Donald Trump is being removed from these ballots for insurrection. We all know that's not the case. And then the next argument, I think you alluded to it, is the, you know, disenfranchisement of the Supreme Court eventually and and considering them to be illegitimate or a weapon that the, I guess they're calling the MAGA Republicans are using to save Donald Trump and keep him on the ballot. We all know none of that narrative is true, but if all they ever watch is CNN or read the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, and that's the narrative they're going to get from the commentators there, it's kind of alarming heading into the election season because for those who are preparing to walk away from the Democrat Party or or true independents who are seeing their 401ks destroyed, their kids' education being destroyed, the devaluation of the dollar, our, our footing geopolitically, you name it, the southern border, and now they see like, man, it, it's like they said Donald Trump did this, but then the Supreme Court put him back. But now they're telling me the Supreme Court's bad, too. Like, if, if someone just isn't really into politics, it may affect votes potentially for Donald Trump heading into next year's election cycle. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what it really goes down to is it's information warfare. And I yeah. think there are a lot of folks in the middle, um, more moderate folks, that still trust institutions in this country. Right? They still trust um, media. They still trust the DOJ. And I think conservatives, you know, we distrust these agencies and these groups. We know that they are weaponized against us and we know that they don't protect our values and that they're partisan actors. But a lot of Americans have grown up in a healthier country where these, you know, the CDC was truly just fact-based. It wasn't something that was political at all or partisan at all. Um, So they still trust these institutions and they still hold on to that. So I think it's going to be really hard for these folks come 24 with all of the different stuff that they're going to be hearing in the media coming out of 
the president's mouth and various people on the campaign trail to kind of differentiate what's true and what's not. So I think that's why independent media is so important, like you guys, what you're doing, just finding sources, I think, that are outside kind of the corporate media sphere and getting to really the root of things always look for you know the primary source where did this come from look at the poll itself don't just look at cnn's analysis of the poll i always tell people to go that extra step and do that extra work because that's the only way that you're sadly going to get to the truth anymore you can't rely on people who are supposed to treat speak truth to power to give it to you um you know even-handed that's just not a reality at this point in the country hopefully we can get back to that but right now you know we just all have to be true fact finders um as we look towards 2024 and try to persuade independence that we know in our communities no it's the absolute truth and, and you bring up a great point one that i'll highlight as well it's talking about that independent media sources like us here there's a lot of other great avenues out there you can check out as well that gives you kind of reading between the lines or, or consistently brings in the experts who could talk about it and break it down everything from like strategy and legal aspects of it all the way through what is actually developing in real time Kingsley, you mentioned the 2024 cycle a couple times, and we're going to jump into that now. The fake primary season is coming to a close. We're just 17 days away from the Iowa caucus here. Obviously, we know the GOP primary was over a long time ago, but we still can take a few parting shots at some of the losers who are coming into the uh, end of their campaigns right now as we're getting ready to hit Iowa and then New Hampshire real quick. First of all, Ron DeSantis' campaign, I mean, we all know how it started currently where it's at it's like a feel bad for us and uh, all this bad stuff is happening to everybody else because they don't want us to win it's just like become kind of like a live action beg letter to just give us a little bit of attention right now and when you've seen the kind of systematic breakdown of this campaign and the way they kind of backed into this election cycle and how they're going to be backing out even harder it, it, it goes to say this is going to be up there in, in some of the best stories of politics about how not to run a presidential campaign. And I think right now when you look at Ron DeSantis and the team that he put together and what's left of them right now, it's a sparkling example of just that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just utter incompetence. And, you know, Jeff Rowe, I think, is an example of he should write a book like how to get rich quick or something. <laughs> how that how he has totally abused so many GOP voters and donors um, to make a quick buck off of Ron DeSantis is truly a masterclass in the political grift. Um, but it hasn't been successful. You know, as you said, we're just weeks away from the Iowa caucus. I think if anything is clear, it is that Iowa is Trump country. Yep. Um, Trump's up in Iowa by 35 points, according to the most recent, I think, Fox business poll that I saw. And, you know, over 80 percent of those voters are locked in. They're not switching their vote. Um, so I think the best thing that other GOP candidates can do, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, is drop out and endorse President Trump. It is so clear he is going to be the nominee. And with all of these attacks that we're seeing from Jack Smith, the Department of Justice, Colorado Supreme Court, Maine's Secretary of State, it is time the Republican Party got focused on 24 and got behind Donald Trump. We need to kind of circle the wagons here. I think this is truly the most important election of our lifetimes. I mean, if you thought 2020 was stolen, I think 2024 is going to make that look like a cakewalk. It's obvious the ruling class in this country is hell-bent on using every institution, every lever of power they have to deny Donald Trump the presidency. And sadly, it seems as an outsider that that's what DeSantis is banking on. The more he complains about how Trump's legal troubles, you know, take up oxygen on the campaign trail or how he whines about how Trump will use the government to hold the deep state accountable and weaponize it against his enemies, which is, you know, music to MAGA's ears. I think it's become pretty (laughs) obvious that his strategy is just to ride this out. 
until, you know, one of these many investigations into Trump sticks or is successful. And I think that's disgraceful. How can you, as an American patriot, see what's being done to President Trump and and to Trump voters, see how they're being disenfranchised across the country and not put everything on the line to stand with him? I mean, even Vivek, I think, has done a fantastic job pledging himself, um, pledging to remove himself from ballots that don't include President Trump. Um, I've always said President Trump's greatest asset really is how he reveals people's true colors. I think he exposes the deep state um, and true just career politicians in many ways. And I think he's done that for this primary field. I think DeSantis, it's clear now, doesn't have the fortitude to drain the swamp or to attack the deep state like he needs to. Uh, Nimrata is a warmongering <laughs> Hillary Clinton ripoff. And, you know, Asa Hutchinson, I always forget about that guy. He's just missing in action. So Trump is the guy. And we all have to get behind him 100%. You forgot about the elephant in the room there, Sloppy Chris Christie. <laughs> <laughs> he's hard to miss, so yeah. I'm surprised I left him out there. <laughs> he Listen, he's Golden Corral's greatest warrior. No, I, I, I do want to touch on, on Nikki Haley a little bit. Listen, for those of us who have you know studied President Trump and, and his current path to where he's at right now, much like we both have Kingsley, you know, you see the playbooks just unfold in real time. They're trying to do the same thing with Nikki Haley that Ron DeSantis' campaign did just like six or seven or eight months ago. And it's really sad that so many people have negatively fed into this. You know, Nikki Haley for vice president rhetoric comes from internal DeSantis campaign staffers, internal Haley campaign staffers, and then in collaboration with the mainstream media who obviously wants to talk about anything but Donald Trump. So it's one of those things where you see her inflated poll numbers in places like New Hampshire where it says she's flirting with like 30%. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's the biggest, you know, way we can get our fake news spoon-fed to us. I mean, they're less than 30 days from a reckoning when Donald Trump actually wins like a by a much larger margin there. But at the same time, it's like, how do we like encourage our folks now to just not feed into this stuff? I think like saying Nikki Haley, I mean, I've asked every single person that's close to the Trump campaign and I've got everything from like, literally people just texting me back. Fuck no to like just sending like (laughs) gifts of people laughing when I ask about it. I mean, Donald Trump kind of shut it down on John Solomon's show the other day as well. But, you know, when he started putting out those videos of her saying how much she loved Donald Trump and she would never run against him if he was running in a race and where it's gotten to at this point, he kind of like revealed the person she was then. She's done a real good job of uncovering all the rest of the skeleton she's got in her closet since then. Everything from like wanting a virtue single about the Civil War to the $3 million home she has on the South Carolina coast. But at the end of the day, it's like we know that she was never going to be the vice president. How is it that we kind of move on from this narrative or are we just going to have to wait until January 23rd and see her get blown out of the water by Donald Trump? Yeah, I think luckily, you know, this problem is going to self-correct because she's quickly going to fall to the wayside and get blown out um, by Donald Trump, as you say. But we just have to always kind of keep a good head on our shoulders. I think that especially with social media, it can get really easy to kind of feed into the frenzy or to react or to dunk on one another and all that stuff. But obviously, Nikki Haley, I mean, is totally antithetical to what we are as a MAGA movement. I think if any candidate in the race kind of embodies a career politician um, who doesn't really have a true set of values, who just is hungry for power, it is her. Um, And she is clearly someone that I think would be an enemy to Donald Trump's vision for this country and just to the MAGA movement as a whole. I think, you know, as you say, that's obvious. I think the Trump campaign believes that's obvious as well. Um, but she's, you know, someone that I think 
we really need to also be careful of because she, like DeSantis, I think has neocon tendencies. Yep. And I think that if the Republican Party, there's going to be someone after Trump, right? And if the, if that person is a politician like DeSantis, like Nikki Haley, they're going to blast us back to the Bush era. We're going to have troops sent to Ukraine, troops sent you know, to Israel, all over the world. And it, there's no longer going to be an America first foreign policy posture in this country. So I think, you know, as we look ahead post-2024, we really need to keep in mind um, younger, vibrant, America first um, individuals who aren't beholden to the military industrial complex as Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are. I think, you know, someone like J.D. Vance would be my pick for a sure. VP. I think he would be absolutely fantastic. Um but again, you know, we'll see um, President Trump is going to make that decision and I know he'll make the right one. So I'm excited to see it and I'm excited to see Nimrata fall to the wayside. That's for sure. Yeah, we, we're, we're not too big fans of uh, girl Dick Cheney on here as well. Kingsley, we're going to kind of leave it at that. We're obviously going to be wishing you a very happy new year. We want to direct everyone to see all the great works you're doing. We're going to live link the DC Republican club. We're going to D we're going to live link the center for renewing America as well. But for anyone that wants to follow you on social media and continue to check you out, where can they find you? Yeah. Thanks so much. I am Kingsley Wilson on all the platforms. I also think I still come up if you search Kingsley Cortez. So either of those work, um, please give me a follow. This woman's do been doing a lot of work for a long time for the America first movement. She's at the tip of the spear right now. And in the front lines, always a great guest on our show, Miss Kingsley Wilson. Thanks for joining us. Have a very happy new year. Thanks so much. You too. Guys, we're coming back with an all new second edition of the steak for breakfast podcast. We've still got George Santos and Vish Burr coming in the show as well. So sit back, relax, and let us continue to change the way you consume your news.